You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. All right. Welcome to the Beer Tour Guy show, Beer Tour Guy podcast. Let me say that correctly. Episode 39. I'm your host, Steve Johnson, owner-operator of Motor City Brew Tours. It's a tour company that used to operate and take people to breweries when people could do that and looks forward to doing that again some other day, right? And I got a great show for you today. I'm excited to bring on someone I probably should have brought on a good two years ago. I don't know what's taking me so long to do this, but hey, eventually I figure it out, right? I pull them on. Never. <laughs> right? Thanks. Why don't you introduce yourself, Kevin, and uh, we'll take the show from there. It's not complicated. It's a show about beer. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm Kevin DeGrood from uh, the owner and operator over at North Center Brewing in Northville. And uh, yeah, Stephen and I have done a lot of work over the years and glad to finally make it on, make the cut. <laughs> make the cut, right? That makes it yeah. sound really important when you say <laughs> it like that, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny how that stuff works. So like we just, I just get in modes where I'm almost like, I run into someone, I'm like, hey, why don't you come on the show next month? And then next thing you know, it's been like, a, you know, 39 episodes and, and, and <laughs> I hadn't run into you maybe in a while because just how the scenario is lately. And, and then sure. I didn't get you on and nothing yeah. personal. No, absolutely not. It, it's funny, like you said. I mean, I, I see you like well again pre-COVID, I, all the time. You know, festivals, events, and all that kind of stuff. And we've talked about this several times. So, um, you know, sometimes it just takes a pandemic to get things to happen. So. Maybe right where we're all stuck places, give or take. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So you guys, let's see, officially opened in 2015 in kind of the edge of downtown Northville. That's right. Um, so we celebrated our fifth year of operation under quarantine. Uh, so that was, that was a bummer to say the least, you know, we were actually, uh, not to spin this off too much, but we, we were actually in the process of an expansion down the street and had to kind of put the permanent pause button on that. Just, uh, everything going on, it just didn't seem like a, a good idea at the time. So, yeah, so quarantine started off for us. That you guys had talked about back in November. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, no, yeah, that that's fine. Um, yeah, that that same space. Um, and so you know, it was quarantine for us started off as a bummer. <laughs> we had we had to put some big plans on hold, and and it you know became about survival as opposed to expansion. So, um, but yeah, we uh, so we, I guess we had to shelf that. Way, though, you weren't in the space, right? So had, was there was there a great deal of money that you had already invested into the space? Well, you know, you, yeah, I guess the, you know, it's all relative, right? Um, but, uh, you know, I would say, yes, we had invested a, a good amount. You know, you, you put some money into architectural drawings and getting contractors lined up and, and, and you know, pulling permits. And like, we were supposed to start work the day that shutdown started that Monday, March 16th or whatever it was. So for us, it was, which ended up being a a good thing because if we would have went, if we would have started, we most likely would have run out of money. And uh, that that's always a death sentence when you are doing a construction project. So, um, you know, silver lining, it was probably good that we didn't, we didn't start, um, you know, we had our little nest egg set up for the project, but that nest egg did not include three to four months of minimal operations. So, <laughs> um, you know, that was a 
that was a bummer. But, um, you know, like I said, it became about survival. And so luckily we hadn't started anything. So the building owners of the other building, you know, we didn't create, uh, you know, a mess for them. So it was a little bit easier to kind of separate. So is the hope when we're in a, on the other side of all this that you'll get to take a look at that project again and that would be your best scenario? Well, yeah, that, that would be something we'd always be interested in. Um, the problem is, is that, you know, the space might not still be there sure, <laughs> when, we're, I understand. when we're ready. So, um, you know, if, if the opportunity presents itself, I'd still like to consider it, but there's a lot of things that would need to fall into place to, for that to happen. And, uh, you know, we're, we're actually hoping that within our, our space, our neighbors in our current building are moving out um, in about 10 months. And so there's a possibility to maybe expand even within our building, which would obviously make things a lot easier. So. Boy, wouldn't it, right? Yeah. There's so yeah. much less to move around. <laughs> yeah. Moving beer equipment is not easy. <laughs> you don't have to really like change the address. No, right. Phone number. Yep. You don't have to move any of that crap. You don't have to change 9,000 online profiles to a different <laughs> address. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's funny is we get people now for in some world of Google, our address is at both locations right now. And so some people said they go to the other spot and I'm like, oh, we've never actually been there. So, um, yeah, it, it would be a it would be a nice uh, um, alternative if we were able to expand within our building. So obviously there's a lot of a lot of time between now and that possibility. But you sure. know, at least there's an option there if we can come out the other side of this. No problem. So let's let's like jump back a little bit then. That's like what's happening right right now. Let's jump back to I had a dream, right? And your dream was opening a brewery in a yep. needed area that definitely didn't have a brewery, right? Or at least yep. you know, not a only a brewery. Right. Uh, uh you know, tell me how that came about. Kind of give me a little bit of your kind of background and kind of what brought you to I want to start a brewery. Yeah. Um, so me and a couple of buddies have been home brewing for a few years and I don't think that story is too different from everybody. I've never else. heard that when I asked <laughs> yeah, that right, question. Right. <laughs> um, my, my background goes back even before that. I'm a, I have a chemical engineering degree from university of Detroit and, um, we actually learned how to brew beer as part of a class in college. So I, I had started getting the itch back then and started the home brewing escapade for many years. And then, you know, we, we got to the point where, you know, I think most home brewers, you're brewing a couple times a year, maybe. Um, for us, it got to where we were brewing a handful of times a week. And we were building inventory and doing weddings and graduation wow. parties and all kinds of stuff. And kind of just were sitting around one day and said, what if we did this for, for real? And uh, so that conversation kind of sparked a business plan and seeing if we could conjure up some money and and uh, that that first started in early 2011, and you know, four years later we opened the door. So it was a you know a long road. And, you know, I don't think that story is any different either. Totally <laughs> not, right? Yeah, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot more work than people realize. It's not yep. just uh, renting a space and just boom, beer showed up. <laughs> right, and that and that's that's the 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 problem. I think a lot of people don't understand is that it's a grind just to get to the starting line. Uh, you know, you're, you're training for a marathon and, and opening your doors is just the beginning. And um, uh, so I, I it's definitely a, a challenge 
physically and mentally to to uh, run a manufacturing operation as small as it might be uh, and operate a, a pub. So, um, you know, for all the dreamers out there, make sure you uh, understand completely what you might be getting yourself into. <laughs> like if you for the dreamers out there, like if you could like split yourself into two and have like two people. That would be super helpful in that situation, wouldn't it? I I could use like five or six, really. Right? But, uh, yeah, I, I would have taken two for sure. Um, you know, a lot of I think now there's a lot more established because the industry's grown over the last five six years pretty exponentially. Um, but uh, at the time, there wasn't a lot of information about licensing and and who do you talk to, and you know that has become more readily available and. Um, you know, that would have been very useful then. So I will say that the ability for groups like the Michigan Brewers Guild and and even the infrastructure network of breweries to give information is is a lot stronger than it was when, when I was planning. So um, there, there's a lot more information available to make sure you're making the right decision and open up. Yeah, like the Michigan Brewers Guild is a good example, Kevin. It's yeah. I, I can remember going to like their winter conference in the early years and how small that was. And it was a very tighter knit group, kind of like, I don't want to say an old boys club. because it makes it sound not as cool or something, but it was definitely like a smaller group and they didn't have these ginormous like trade shows that they have now with all the resources. Now you go there and they're in a separate center that you go off site to and like everybody in the world's at that, that you could just plop the different tables at and pick up information and contacts and just the networking with other breweries that have been through what you've been through yep. is so much larger that it definitely is a different game than five, definitely 10 years ago, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, the, the, the conference is, is probably the, the literally the one time of the year where all the brewer owners and people in that work arena can, can just, sit back and talk, <laughs> you know, I, even when we get, when we see each other at festivals, you're still working and right. you're still gonna man the booth and talk to this person and the trade show and the conference really lets us bond and, and talk about what the real problems are. And I really do appreciate that conference uh, in, in general. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head, the amount of resources and, and what you can learn at going to the show now versus, you know, especially like you said, even five, and 10 years ago is pretty impressive of what you can learn in a three, four day span. So um, I'm a little bummed that the guild announced that they're going to make that an online experience uh, this year. Oh, I, did, I wasn't aware of that. I guess I yeah. hadn't noticed that yet. Interesting. Yeah, they, well, they will put it this way. They, they did it. They took a survey and said, either we're not going to have it or it's going to be virtual. <laughs> so okay. what would you prefer? <laughs> and uh, you know, so we'll see what they end up actually doing, but um, in you, you know, I'm, I'm that out of all the festivals getting canceled, that's the one that I'm most bummed out about because you get to hang out with your colleagues in a a place where you don't have to then go somewhere. You know, you're all there to hang out after the day is done. So, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's the the amount of resources that a, a organization like the Guild and the and the craft beer industry in general can offer you. Uh, even talking to the other brewery owners, there's not many industries in which you could be doing a startup and go and talk to your future competitors and they would offer you help. <laughs> you know, that's, right. 
that that isn't something that's very common and, and i i received that when i was uh in planning stages uh talking with joe walters from liberty street a handful of times and and just going to local pubs and asking questions and and they were here you go man here's the books <laughs> so you know it's an advantage of being in metro detroit uh this region because we have a lot of breweries and we have a lot of breweries that started at kind of different phases of the development of the craft beer industry where you could pull up, you know, you could jump into that and through that networking, you know, build some nice contacts that are like your go-to people that you're right. A lot of other businesses just don't have that. Like for example, in 2009, when I started running tours, that industry, the tourism industry was so small, just in Metro Detroit, I had nobody I could talk to in Metro Detroit. And then as beer tourism, which is even more exacting, uh, I could look at a couple models of it on the West Coast, but I pretty much had to create everything. And now the beer industry kind of grew up as as my my tour business grew up. And now it's funny, as new tour operators, either beverage industry or just general have come out, it's kind of the same thing. There's way more resources. There's way more third-party service sites and things that didn't exist when I started. And um, that I went to a conference in February in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, that was a beer marketing and tourism conference really tied to my industry. And yeah. you have guilds that are at that and like convention visitors uh, bureaus, right? CVBs. Yep. So like if Northville had a huge scene like that, they might be at a conference like that, learning about how other cities market kind of beer and drink tourism, right? Well, 10 years ago, you could not have done a conference like that. Okay. Now there were hundreds of people in attendance, all very specific into that industry. And then it was same thing as you're saying with the Guild. I'm able to talk to people in other markets doing similar things to me. I got to tell you, in February, we were excited, right? <laughs> absolutely yeah, jump forward a month later and we were like oh my god all those great ideas i was ready to launch and then you know that's that's what has occurred to all of us it's no different right. yep um so but before we kind of jump into more of the covid stuff you know let's talk about okay you got the doors open you're open it's 2015 there's people in northville that are excited because they they really didn't have an all you know they didn't have a brewery there before in that in the capacity that you created Right. You started out with no food. You have added food now, but you start out with no food. Give me some of the logic of kind of why you designed it the way you did when you first started. Sure. Um, I mean, honestly, it, it always comes down to money, I think. <laughs> and uh, for us, oh, yeah. you know, if you had, a, you know, you, you, you're doing your business analysis and, and something that we just didn't have experience with was running a, a kitchen. I mean, we didn't even have any experience running a manufacturing operation really, but, uh, um, we thought that was something that we could handle better. Um, so we went the route of no food. Um, and the, you know, Northville's a small town too. So we, we, there's a pizza place right next to us. So we kind of emerged with a, a unofficial partnership with them. Um, and we were shipping pizzas right next door and stuff like that. So we knew there were alternatives to, to keep people drinking the beer uh, while we figured stuff out, the other handcuff that we had was was physical space. We don't we don't have a lot of space, um, and uh, at the time that we opened, our glycol chilling unit <clears throat> was this used rental that we had, and it was massive. It looked like it was made in the USSR, like <laughs> it, like ironclad, weighed like three thousand pounds. It was massive. 
And um, in early 2017, it finally started dying. And uh, so we looked to alternatives and we went to fluid chillers out of Lansing. And the unit they installed was probably about 20% of the foot space. Uh, oh, wow. That's a big and so, you know, that opened up some spots for us and we thought maybe we could cram a kitchen back there. And that's what we did. And the, the reason why that migrated is that, you know, the food truck game um, is, is one that can be beneficial. It really depends on your location. It really depends on the amount of crowd you can generate too. We don't have a very big space. So, sure. I mean, simply put the food trucks, just that that's their literal li- livelihood, right? Wherever that truck goes. Um, and so wherever that truck goes, they need to make sure they're making money. And so not all the time would we be able to meet their goals. And, um, you know, it just was a, a hard thing to keep consistently the food trucks coming. And so we just were running into, uh, a, a consistency identity issue. Um, you know, do they have a food truck? Do they not marketing that we had, you know, last minute cancellations. Um, you know, the food truck guys are trying to put all of their efforts into operating their, you know, their food business and they don't do a lot. Some of them don't do a lot with marketing. And so that was hard to manage both. And so once the space got created, we just said, let's, let's try putting out a simple menu ourselves. And between early 2017 and spring of 2017, we installed and developed our menu. So, um, you know, and, and now, and I would say just now, even after all of the stuff in, in this year is our, our food situation finally starting to take roots where people know that we have food. I mean, we still have people coming in now that say, Oh, I didn't know that you had food. And we uh, literally, we had, we've had food for three and a half years now. Right. And, you know, it's just sometimes some, people just don't know if they came here once back when we first opened, that's just their impression. That's what they know. And so to re reinstall that and remove ourselves from the first couple of years of operating without a kitchen, was definitely the biggest struggle for our kitchen. Um, uh, so marketing became very important. Um, and then putting out a product that was worth whatever you're talking about. Um, so there was a lot of challenges, but, um, you know, after a couple of years, I think we finally got it in a, a direction that we're happy with. So um takes a while. <laughs> so then as, as, as we kind of came out of the main lockdown, you're able to open up again and what about mid july is that when you yeah uh, early june actually oh, i'm sorry in early june oh my i'm so off on months now it's it so almost funny. doesn't matter they're all the same Every yeah they, the they kind of are right <laughs> that's so true uh so you guys reopen and you're you're doing carry out food yeah right yep so during during the shutdown we um it was crazy how quickly you maneuver and pivot which you know that's a uh attribute for a small business you have the ability to be flexible uh but um and through the help of a lot of vendors the guild other breweries we establish an online ordering system and we also establish takeout and delivery within three days you know like these are platforms that usually take months to develop and you know because of everyone working really hard to figure out how we're going to survive this you know we you know, we transformed, we, we started doing next day beer delivery. Um, our, our friends over at Ascension and Novi were doing the same thing. And, you know, we kind of built, uh, uh, that's what carried us truly was our, our 
the ability to have online ordering and delivery um, that that helped us get through. And then when we come out the other side, uh, when we reopen, we reopened our pub right when we could. Um, we didn't we we continued doing the takeout and the delivery, but um, the we, we opened our, our pub as soon as we could. So, um, I mean, that's for us, the livelihood. That's where you're making the most money. Have you seen the takeout and delivery kind of tail off a little as a result of you being reopened now? And maybe a little bit because we're in summer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was it was funny, too. I had what was I don't know if I called it compassion sales. So when we first shut down, we Surely. did a lot of sales almost to where it wasn't no different <laughs> as yeah. having a, a pub. Uh, but then that started to dwindle. You know, people were buying cases and cases of beer at a time. And that was very generous, but I mean, one person can only drink so much, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and Eventually the wife's kind of like, Hey, where are you going to put all that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, that the, you know, that, that we started seeing some dwindling sales from that. And we thought of other ways to connect with our consumers. We did a hot sauce eating challenge uh, uh, with, with those of us that were working. And then we did, that was to help raise money for those that I had to lay off. And then, uh, we did a food and a virtual food and beer pairing where we prepared everything, had people come and pick it up. And then on a Facebook live feed kind of walked everyone through the pairing. Um, and, and so we, you know, survival breeds innovation, right? You're, you're, Think about it any way you can and, and to, to maintain that connection to your customers. And uh, so we came up with some, I thought they were, you know, good ideas that worked out and carried us through. And, and I think our customer base was thankful for that uh, because coming out the other side of it, you know, the first day we were open, we had to, you know, do head count and, you know, making sure people were taking all the protocols, uh, you know, correctly. And, and it was a uh, it, it was uh, awe inspiring for sure. It, it it showed you why you do this. It's a, it's called the service industry for a reason, and um, you know you're 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 here to serve your your customer base. And when you see how thankful they were that you were able to stay open, it gives you that little little bit of boost that you need to to keep grinding. To keep it going, so, right? Yep. I hope that uh, people, everyone takes a good notice of this you know, as we get maybe even a year from now and people treat their favorite places a bit, like appreciate what they've done to stick, to keep it going yep. um, even a year from now. And, and that momentum keeps going, right? I think it's reminding people that, hey, man, that's hot. We're all human and this is hard. And like, you know, you chose to do this and you care that, you know, you care about it. And you're glad they've cared about it and hope they keep caring about it and hope that they appreciate the service. And yeah. obviously a certain amount of people have because you, you've been doing all right with that. And that's great. Like, that's what I love to hear that. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's definitely um, uh, something, you know, I, I think obviously for everybody, the, the pandemic has been a wake up call in some area or another. And in the service industry, I think it definitely, um, you know, it, it, it weeded out people that aren't thankful for that kind of stuff. In my opinion, um, you know, the people that are going out now are people that truly want to be there. Um, and, and they, you know, the, I can see a noticeable difference in our, our customer base and how they treat, um, our, 
uh, employees and things like that. So um, I think it did achieve what you just mentioned. It, there was a wake up call. You know, again, I, I hope it continues. Uh, I, I think it will, because I, I think in general, you, you really you found out who your family was <laughs> through all this because the people yeah. that stick with you when it's hard are the people that will stick with you anytime. So, um, you know, for us, uh, you know, we, we've seen a noticeable improvement on people that are coming in to enjoy the entire, our entire thing of what we have to offer. So we might not have as many people coming through the doors right now, but the people that are coming through the doors aren't just there for a quick beer. Yes, there are some of those, of course, but the majority of people now are coming in for beers. They're ordering food. They're getting beers to go. So the, the, you know, they're, they're there for the entire experience. And, you know, we've noticed a lot more of that. So, you know, if, if I can say, you know, it's, it's going to be tough when, the, when patio season ends for sure. Um, but uh, how, many, how many outdoor seats do you have? We, we added 32 outdoor seats. Wow. So, oh, okay. So you have some in front and kind of some in the parking lot behind? Well, actually, we, we, we were able to do is extend along the entire front of our building. Okay. And, uh, oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't know that. I just don't live on that end of town. Well, so. no, it, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't expect you to know the layout of all 380 breweries <laughs> in Michigan uh, right now. Um, so no no problem there. But uh, yeah, I we know were I love drinking get... ESP whenever I come over. I know that. Yeah. Yes. And that'll always, that'll always be there. So, um, but yeah, we, we, we took advantage of the temporary patio extension, which essentially allowed us to get pretty close back to our original capacity. Um, yeah. And so that has been a huge help. Um, and so, uh, again, the, but what has been the biggest help is the people that are coming in and, and enjoying the complete package as, as opposed, you know, they're, like I said, they're getting their beers, which is always a good thing because we're a brewery, but they're getting, they're eating their dinner there and then they're taking beer home. So they're, again, they're, they're doing the complete package and, and that's been what has been the biggest help. Well, from a to-go business standpoint of beer, have you seen then the shift of, um, because you can can and you do four packs of 16 ounce cans, for example, which lots of breweries do that. Um, but you, you got it rocking with some cool labels and you got some stable beers behind you because you're five years in. Have you seen that be the the regular form factor that people are doing to go over the standard, maybe old school growler, or is it kind of split? Um, cans are definitely shifting to the front. Um, you know, it, it's more work for the brewery to get a can going, you know, I'll bet it to, is. Design a, to design a label and to fill it. Um, there's more labor involved and more costs involved, um, you know, and uh, there's also a national can shortage that's projected through the end of 2021 that uh, everyone's going to be battling with, you know, brewery of our well, size. It's but, only to 2021. Yeah. So we're good. We're good. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it's definitely the cans that have, have become the, the, the direction of the consumer, um, you know, and so the, the pandemic also allowed us to improve our marketing, you know, so it kind of forced us to improve our marketing. You know, we had to come up, I have an example right here. I know it's backwards for everybody, but uh, the Night Brewist is our black IPA. Um, but we I like the label. Yeah, I got a little zombie action going on there. Who doesn't like that on a label? That's awesome. Yeah. And um, so we were able to produce labels for uh, most of our brands. 
And then the delivery system that we had set up allowed us to reach probably some markets that we don't usually see. You know, we were delivering, you know, a couple times out to, to uh, like Mount Clemens, you know. Oh places. my God, I would never think that. Okay. Yeah, that's and, awesome. and, um, you know, we coordinated with people that we knew uh, and they coordinated with their friends and, and, you know, okay, I order on this day and we'll deliver out there in a week. And so we, we were able to actually, we were forced to improve our marketing because of that. And so we had, to, we, we had to up our can game. Um, it, it was a necessity to, to be able to sell. So, um, you know, and cans are more versatile. You can take them more places. They last longer. Um, you know, for, as far as I'm concerned, a growler is what you buy if you're going to drink it that night. And cans are what you buy if you're okay with storing it for a few months. Yeah, that's so true. I could tell you this. 98% of the beer in my beer fridge in the basement right now are cans. Yep. 98%. And all my back stock, back stock, well, all my reserves, 100% are cans. Yep. Meaning it's only if someone handed me a bottle, probably. Right. You know, and, you know, it's very rare that I do a growler. And I'd say that's a complete shift, right? I'm no different than anyone else. And obviously that's the trend you're seeing. Yep. Yeah, gl- glass is becoming a, a difficult uh, uh, thing to, to sell. Um, when you, you know, started five years ago, that was not the case, right? I mean, that was that was it, really. Like cans were considered cheap looking, yeah, um, very. You know, and, and people feel you know the the stigma of having an off taste in your cans and things like that. Um, and there are still people that you cannot convince otherwise, but right. um, um, you know it the the can it 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 does have other benefits too other than you know being a, a, an improvement for the consumer um I, I think can art's a fun thing to do um but but also it it does have a greener footprint um uh canning and recycled um aluminum and and, and the amount of uh that it takes to wash and prepare cans versus glass um it does have a greener footprint so there is other benefits uh as well um you know it's not just a a, you know a a more flexible alternative but it is a a more cost friendly and environmentally friendly alternative too so um you know for us it was it was something that we were happy to shift to even though it's more labor for us um you know, but we've also gotten better at it too, just like everybody else. You know, you, you, right. you, you do a few of these can runs and then you, you quickly figure out what works and what doesn't. And, um, you know, now I'm glad we're, we, you know, I bought a merchandising fridge to put in the brewery too. So all the cans can be on display. They're cold. Um, you know, and, and so it, it really, I wish uh, that forced... was there right now looking at that fridge. Let me tell you. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and it's, and it's, that in and of itself, having that merchandising fridge where there's a, a visible thing to walk up to and grab cans, you know, it, putting it reminds that, people of being at a store, right? They're yeah. there. They just had a great drink or a great meal or both. Yep. And then they're like, let's take this home. Look how cool that is. Absolutely. And, um, you know, when you, and we have just about all of our products are, are also canned. So uh, generally speaking, if they have a beer that they like, they can take it home with them. So um and, uh, you know, they, they could have always done that with growlers and such. But again, if you aren't anticipating, you know, a growler can be intimidating. If you're not ready to, to pile drive 64 ounces of beer that night, 
um, you know, you don't really want it. And so that just makes it go from, instead of selling the growler, you don't sell the growler. There's no in between. Um, and with, with cans, you can buy a four pack and just have one if you wanted to. And, and that's less intimidating as well. So, um, you know, managing the price points was a big thing, you know, making sure that, you know, the cans versus the growlers, if you're selling in four packs, it's the same amount of beer. So, but you, you do have to price it higher because there's more involved. Uh, but you, you know, you got to make sure it's not too high yeah they don't want to make it offensive because that's the other thing with cans too is that people are used to going to kroger or meyer and getting a six pack of insert domestic beer here and it's like five dollars and and then you show them like oh this is a four pack and it's fifteen dollars and they're you know you got that's a fine line you got to walk um just because that's what people are used to and um and you're a smaller and you're a smaller operation so you can really only bring a price down so much and I think there's times I, I agree and I struggle with this at times, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm, you know, I, I understand the economics of what you could do for say like uh, Bell's or founder, like founder is selling a 15 pack of all day IPA. And let's say that's on sale at the store for 15, $16, or maybe a little more than like a dollar for a 12 ounce can. Right. Yeah. Well, obviously you can't run something like that. That's not feasible. That wouldn't make sense ever. You know, and sometimes for the consumer, it takes a little bit of adjusting, I think, in their brain. I think using the growler analogy is always the better analogy, right? So especially you having them as uh, 16-ounce cans, in my head, I'm like, okay, if his growler fill is, I don't know, you know, $14 and he sells me cans for $16 or or somewhere in that range, then I can wrap my head around that. If it's a four-pack of cans and 16-ounce and it's like, $25 $25 and it's like just a, a, a nice Irish red ale, but it's not triple fat bourbon barrel aged for two years. And I'm kind of like scratching my head like, oh, wow, that's a huge difference. Yep. You know, and, you know, so some people will get that and some people won't get that. And I think that's always a challenge, right? Absolutely. And also too, like to a lot of consumers, I mean, you know, it, they don't know the difference in size between founders and North center brewing or, you know, or, or bells and NCB. So it's it to them. Well, how come theirs is like you said, $15 for a 15 pack and yours is $15 for a four pack. And, and so, um, you know, you still have to battle that that's never going to go away. I mean, I don't think anyways, no way. You know, there's just some people you're not going to make the sale to. And, uh, so we, we try to concentrate on those that we always use for us again, because of our can sizes, the growler analogy is the easiest one. And you can say, well, it's only a dollar more than a, you know, or $2 more than a growler and it can last a lot longer. It looks cool if you want to take a picture of it and put it on your social media and all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, and you please know, tag I, North Center Brewing as you do it. Please yes. do the at. Yep. I'm not yes. asking for much, just an yeah. at with the name. Yeah. Uh, just, all, that's all you got to do. And then I can repost it and everyone's yeah. happy. Like, uh, so yeah, it, it's, <laughs> uh, it, it's been, it's been a, a, an interesting challenge um, over the last six months to, to adjust to the constantly changing landscape, but, um, you either do it or you, or you don't. I mean, that's pretty simple. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I'm completely, as a tour operator, I'm a hundred percent shut down. I'm not here to cry about that or anything. Just that's the reality of what we're in. Right. I'm not going to yep. do a bunch of two people, four person, whatever kind of tours and put, put myself 
and or the customer at risk. And more importantly, and it's funny how I have people come to me and they're just like, well, I see breweries are back open. Like, why aren't you running groups into breweries? I'm like, because breweries don't want me running groups of people into breweries, right? Like, have you been to a restaurant or a bar or brewery, right? You're yeah. not looking for a 10 to 20 whatever person group to just roll in there. Right. Um, that's not cool. So like out of respect, I'm also not doing that, you know, and I want to stay safe. Yeah. So, you know, my hope is next spring ish, give or take, yeah. I can kind of ease back into those types of experiences. And then I can be supporting, you know, all you breweries again in that capacity. Yeah. Right. But there are just people who that that's a little challenging to like wrap around their head. Well, yeah, yeah and, it, and that's the thing, too, you got to remember, you know, because I've heard stories of customers being unhappy with the new protocols, and I've heard stories of the employees maybe being aggressive about enforcing those policies. And, you know, from our side, yes, we're, we're learning, too, but so are the consumers. You know, it, it's new for them to have to remember to put your mask on when right. you're walking around and... And, you know, make sure that you're six feet apart from the next person. You, you haven't had to think about that ever. And so, you know, it's a challenge for everyone involved. And so the, for us, the, the approach has always been giving people the benefit of the doubt that they're not purposely trying to avoid the protocols, but that they just aren't used to them. And, and we found that that has been very successful. We've had an extremely low amount of aggressive consumers um and i can narrow it down to just two actually that's pretty <laughs> um, awesome i mean i'm yeah. glad to hear that yeah and and yeah i think it's also too just it's, it's a product of where you're at you know there are certain geographic areas in which um you know the 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 thought processes are just different um but uh, for for us in general i think a lot of it has to do with the approach that we have taken to to understand that yes we are going through new stuff but so are they and um i think that's probably the most important thing that i can think of when i talk to other brewery owners and stuff like that when they when they have a hard time with stuff and of course there's always going to be people that just aren't aren't right. happy <laughs> and they just want to complain and they just want to vent um but uh for the most part i think people just wanted to go back out and they'll do whatever it takes. You want me to put a mask on? You want me to sit in the corner? I don't care. Like, I just want you to bring me a draft of beer. And, um, you know, so I think in general, it's been a, it's, it, it's of course a challenging, but it, it, it's been a, for us, a, a pretty boring transition as far as uh, people following the rules. Pretty much everyone has, and um, which is a good thing. And, um, but yeah, I, I know that as soon as, we have some of our capacity restrictions eased up, but we weren't happy to have your full group come on in and, and, and learn about beer. I, I always love having you guys for sure. Uh, you know what my hope is for next year. So hopefully, right. I want to do a bike ride out to North center using the Heinz park drive and yep. bring it into Northville that way. I want to start with a, I'll, I'll name the bike shop. It's called sweet bikes out in Canton. Mm -hmm. it's um what road is that ford road and you mm -hmm. can get on the 275 trail hook up with the heinz park trail and i could take it all the way into northville yeah uh, and make you my fun 
brewery tour, tasting food turnaround point, and then go yes. back to this like really cool bike shop. Uh, Seth and his wife run this awesome shop and um, he's kicked it around before. That dude has a kegerator in that place. Like that's how cool he is. Right? There you go. <laughs> and big, big beer fan. And I had already etched this out uh, last summer and I was going to come hit you up and try to do it this fall. And of course, none of that's occurring. Yeah. Right. So I had this master plan of like a suite of stuff like this. Yeah. And typically what my wife and I do is we come up with some ideas and then typically like the summer before, if we think it's going to be an outdoor kind of event, then we'll sketch it out and maybe ride it before then. And um, all that kind of got put on hold, but yeah. that would be our hope at a certain date next year. Like wouldn't, wouldn't that be fun to just roll in with a bunch of bikers and do the same experience I, I would have done if I rolled in with a bus. Right. Um, but getting a little exercise, it's a pretty solid bike ride to get over there, but it, you could do it. Yeah. Earn your beer. Right. And yeah. Isn't that true? And people, you know, bikers want to do that. Mm -hmm. So well, I you think get it's the, a, a win -win. You get the calorie intake up to do those kinds of long rides. So uh, we, we've, we've always been a fan of, of coordinating with different cycling clubs and, and stuff like that, just because of our location at the end of Heinz park, essentially, and so we're, of course, always up for for something like that. And uh, we got plenty of space for people to stash their bikes, come in for a pint, and then continue on your way for sure. So we, we're definitely uh, all all ears when, when you guys are ready to put the uh, wheels of the pavement for sure. I can't wait to open my brain up again to, uh, <laughs> to do all this stuff. I'll, I'll have, like, way too much time to be thinking about it, I guess, yeah, I'm yeah. on my uh, year year ish off sabbatical or whatever we're calling it i don't know right but yeah. that's all right we're talking now and that's what matters and unfortunately i i wish i was holding one of your beers especially the can you showed up before that black ipa let's talk a little bit about the beers before we uh kind of wrap the show up here sure. so dakota you're like lead brewer and then you have another brewer is it alexo is that how you say alexio yeah. oh i'm sorry alexio sorry alexio alexio <laughs> uh yeah, he actually joined, his first day was the first day of shutdown. Oh, how great is that? Holy yeah. crap. Okay. <laughs> it was a it was a big bummer. Um we were hoping to bring him on board as part of our leveling up to the new location. Sure. And um so uh he had previously brewed at Draft Horse and, and so um he was excited to join the team and take on the new challenge and then when he started, that was not the challenge that he anticipated, <laughs> but, um, uh, uh, but yeah, they've been cranking out some, some great stuff. I and mean, we have our, our staples, which is our ESB, the shipwrecked IPA and then the painkiller triple. Um, and then they've been really good with the pilot batches. Um, I mean, every week we got one or two new beers that are coming out in in small release type form. And they, they've just been really cranking out the suds right now. And, and with, with some of the money that we had for our construction nest egg, um, we, you know, that obviously helped us float during, um, uh, the time of need. And, uh, uh, we also upgraded some of our equipment, uh, got some nice quality control protocols in place to help them develop even better products. Uh, yeast management's a huge thing for breweries. And we now have the ability to to do that, and uh, 
Uh, it's something a lot of breweries just don't necessarily have the ability to do. So it's yeah, a it, great yeah, ad when you can do that. Yeah, when you're when you're talking about purchasing lab equipment, um, you know, not only having the money to do that, but also knowing what to do when it arrives. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> you know, most of us are are not you know uh, science lab rats. Uh, you know, that can just look at a piece of equipment on a tabletop and just know how it works. So, um, you know, we, we ordered, uh, things that help us with yeast management and, and, and stuff like that. So the, the point is, is that the, the beers they've been cranking out are, are, are showing the evidence of, of better quality control. So, um, that's been a, a huge thing for me always, but you just never really have the means sometimes to execute what you want. And um, now we're able to do that. So a lot cleaner products. We actually were really excited. We sent our first four submissions to the Great American Beer Fest competition. Oh, congrats. Uh, That's a big deal. Yeah, to see if we can take home some medals. If not, still fun to participate. You know, this is the first time we felt we were worthy of participating. So, um, you know, we're we're excited to see if we can – make some noise there but again if not we know that at least we felt we were ready because of what we're you know self-awareness is the biggest thing in the brewing industry and knowing when you need to improve something or you can improve something is is important and and being being willing to make the change when you've been made aware of a problem yes absolutely you know opportunities to change yeah (laughs) Yeah, and that and that's always a, a, a difficult point when you are the professional and your your customers telling you uh, what they like and don't like, and and so I'm I'm glad that uh, Cody and Alexio are are um, and Cody's short for Dakota. Um, I just realized I'm like I never probably said Cody, but yeah, I know. I, I got <laughs> no, Dakota's just fine, um, and so the. Uh, that their receptiveness to feedback has been very good as well. They're, they're both humble learning students of the game. So they're really easy to work with, uh, really eager to learn. Um, I, I was a little bummed out cause I was hoping to take the, our newly formed team to the conference again, uh, because that's where you can really apply some knowledge. And, um, so, but, uh, yeah, the beers have been on point. They've been, um, uh, improving the biggest difficulty we have right now is trying to manage a production schedule <laughs> we have we have no idea uh you know our distribution is hot one week gone next week and, and you know it's just been a little bit more difficult to manage but what's new i mean it's just another yeah. problem to get solved so <laughs> the good thing is you guys are still kicking and you're making it happen that's yep. what i like here and yeah figuring it out excited someday i'll actually get to come in again uh, <laughs> I look forward to that for sure. It's been weird the last so many months doing these shows kind of yeah. virtually this way and not doing that, enjoy a beer with each other and interact in that way. It's definitely yeah. a different dynamic. Sure. I miss my like noonish, one-ish kind of buzz that I had going. Especially <laughs> Nothing this like a good day drinking buzz. Nothing like right? I really miss that. My body misses that for yes. sure. <laughs> it doesn't know what's going on sometimes. Like, okay, you're talking about beer which you're not you having go. so <laughs> right well, yeah whenever whenever you make it out to this side of town and and you want to have a pint you know you're always more than welcome so um yeah we'd be happy to have you when you're, you're able to uh start broadcasting the shows from actual places again <laughs> we'll be we'll be we'll be ready 
Well, I can't wait to use my little remote microphone system that I bought like in January. That was meant to do all this stuff remotely that I can't do remotely. So I definitely uh, won't wait two plus years next time to do that. I'll hold you you to that. You should. You you should hold me to that. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Episode 39 of the Beer Tour Guy Show, the podcast. Uh, Kevin, if people want to get more information about North Center Brewing Company, what should they do? Uh, yeah, you can uh, find us at northcenterbrewing.com. Uh, it's got our full menu and beers available on there. Also, and order uh, online. Uh, yeah, all, all of it's on there. Yeah, you can order online. Got buttons on there. You can get delivery. Uh, we also have all the, the main social media outlets. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Untapped, Twitter, all those things. So uh, you can find us whatever your uh, social media of choices. So, um, yeah, we're, we're readily available electronically. And, um, if you do want to go old school and call us, our phone numbers on the website too. (laughs) Well, thanks a lot for all that information. Thanks for spending time with me this afternoon. Sure. I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in on the show. Uh, look for episode 40 with someone else in the beer industry that I haven't set up yet as a guest. So just assume it's someone else in the beer industry, because that's what I do. If you want to learn more information about my tour company and if and when, or I'm sorry, when I do tours again, which will be uh, spring of 2021, hopefully go to MotorCityBrewTours.com or any of the same social stuff Kevin just said, minus on tap, of course, um, and, um, or just BeerTourGuy.com. Uh, thanks again, Kevin, for coming on the Thank show. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Enjoy your day. All right, you too.